Hello there, and welcome to Casual Fridays, the podcast where weekly themes are discussed through personal experiences, anecdotes, and some storytelling. I am your host, Dada, and this podcast is part of my I Read Aloud channel on YouTube, where I read fairy tales, short stories, children's stories, poetry, letters, some uh, Arabic texts as well. So if you like such content, make sure to subscribe. You will find me in the search box on YouTube under at I Read Aloud. And you can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and X also under at I Read Aloud. I also want to know that this podcast airs every Friday on the following platforms. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, RSS, and Spotify. Today's episode is titled The Other and is split into five sections. An introduction, a part on religion, a part on race, a part on sexuality, and of course a conclusion with my take on the topic. My first encounter with The Other was when I was around 15 years old. The civil war in Lebanon had just ended, and many were poverty-stricken. So we had many needy people coming over, um, showing up at our door, asking for food and money. And if you know me by now, you know I am a big movie fan, and I've been watching all these Hollywood movies about home invasions and theft and all that. And after a couple of times, we had the strange people showing up at our door, I told my mom, uh, what if this person is here to rob us? My mom said nothing at the time and made a couple of sandwiches. And then she called me and she said, take these sandwiches to the man. And I was terrified. I looked at her and I didn't want to move. And she said, it's okay. I'm right behind the door. So I took the sandwiches to the man, very apprehensively, of course, and watched how he grabbed the sandwiches, how he munched so hungrily at them. But I had to ask him if he needed something to drink. And then I got him a drink and my mom was smiling. And so since then, whenever we had needy people at our door, I would make the sandwiches and even strike up conversations with them. And this was really uh, my first lesson in accepting the other and as being compassionate. My first encounter and like real encounter with another religion was when I went to college. I had grown up in an all-girls school, a nuns school, in a Christian community. And so when I went off to college, I, I was in Beirut. And in Beirut, you have a mix of cultures and sects and races and what have you. And if you've heard my first episode, Puzzle Pieces, you know that I became friends with a group of girls in the theater department. And I will tell you that I was the only Christian among them. So in the end, I was the other in that group. And most of them were Muslim from different sects. And one was Durzi. I don't know if you know about the Durzi religion. Um, And basically... I never felt left out. I never felt as though I was different. Um, I went to all their homes. They came to my home. We just were 
you know, respected each other's uh, homes, each other's beliefs, and we had no problems coexisting. And I just love these girls. And even though we don't talk much these days because they are each in a different country with their own families and everyone's so busy, you know, there's this, you know, the special place in my heart for all of them. And I know that they too have a special place in their hearts for me. And so all this fear of the other religion is totally unfounded. I believe it is all a matter of labeling. Whoever does not fall under the rule of law, um, in the West, if it's one person, they call that person an outlaw. If it's a group of people, it becomes a gang. If it's a bigger group of people, it becomes a cartel. And in the Middle East, uh, such groups become terrorists. In Africa, they become militias. And so you have all this labeling going on and around and about just to create fear and, you know, dissension and to create separateness between human beings. And I will tell you that I've been watching so many short clips lately uh, on social media of girls in the West, in the Western world, who talk about how they don't dare to leave their homes after dark, who um, talk about how they have to carry their keys in their hands uh, if it's a bit dark outside, just waiting to get home or to the car, who don't dare to walk um, through alleys if it's getting a bit darker or even during daylight sometimes, and who are always like being watchful and scared, um, you know, whenever daylight ends. And I will tell you that I live in a country where we have terrorists, <laughs> so to speak, and I get into my car at midnight sometimes when I'm bored and I go for a drive for an hour or two, I stop at 24-hour shops and patisseries to have an ice cream or a drink or, a, I don't know, a box of fries and I drive back home and I'm happy and I've never ever faced a problem with safety in my country. Um, I go walking at whatever time. I don't even I don't even notice time. I don't even look at my watch when I, I do whatever I want whenever I want. And I'm telling you, um, neither I nor any of the girls I know in my life uh, have ever faced a, a, an issue of safety in this terrorist country. So <laughs> you know, when we shed all these. Uh, labels, we get, you know, to something deeper. And I will tell you why we, are, we have a very safe country. I mean, yes, we have wars, but I mean, I'm talking about like the, the culture and the society, why it is safe in Lebanon. You know, if I am talking to any guy and if I look him straight in the eye, 90% of the time he will look down or away. The way we raise uh, our sons and our daughters, we teach respect. And our culture is based on values um, that reveres the woman. And I know that, you know, the image that is shown to the outside world is, you know, let's say a Muslim woman in a hijab and she doesn't have any rights and all that. And, you know, even though by law, we women in Lebanon do not have rights. Um, in fact, in 
life practice, I think we have more rights than women in the Western world because of that respect and that reverence. Well, enough about that for now. Um, let's move on to the next uh, part of the podcast, which is the difference uh, in race. And of course, skin color is probably the easiest way to discriminate against someone or to find or to feel that someone is other than us. And maybe one thing I am not so proud of about my country is that there is a level of racism uh, against people from different cultures and different races. And I believe this is more prominent in the older generation. The younger generation now is more accepting and is more inclusive in general. But we unfortunately still have some residues of racism in my country, and I hope that with time it will be eradicated. We have a lot of NGOs and um, groups who are working on that. But what I want to talk about uh, today is about how I felt like the other when I lived in Africa for one year. I'm not going to go into details about, you know, where exactly in Africa or whatever, or any personal details. Let's just say that I live in an area where I was literally the only white person there. Um, I used to have uh, kids staring at me and their parents coming over apologizing for the kids staring, but it's because they'd never seen a white person before. And I've been to areas where even adults hadn't seen a white person before, and they would immediately think I was a UN delegate or a, or a journalist or reporter, because to them, this is, this is what a white person would be doing in, in a more remote area of Africa. And of course, because I was the other, I had different experiences with different groups of people. Uh, some outright hated white people because of colonization. And you, I don't know if you know this about um, most African countries, but even if there isn't an actual presence of colonizers, the economy is colonized so that the African people in most of the countries are not allowed to... Um, benefit from the resources, aren't even allowed to work on, on creating resources from their land. And if there is any creation of resources that goes to the Western world, to the colonizers, mainly the French and the British. And so it is not surprising to find uh, a group of people who just hate white people outright. And then, of course, you have people who are curious, those who want to talk to you because they're curious about this person who looks so different and who is not of their country, not of their race. And so I've had so many interesting conversations with people, you know, on different issues and topics. Um, curiosity is always my favorite thing in the world, to be honest. And then, of course, there were those who would look at a white woman and think, oh, she is rich and we are going to try and scam her. <laughs> Or, you know, at least get something out of her, at least a tip. And so they cuddle you and they try to charm you and they sweet talk you, you know, <laughs> into getting something out of you, which is, you know, also understandable. And then there were those who would treat you with a bit of reverence. And that was actually my, the most uncomfortable 
situation for me because who wants that? Who wants to be revered in the end? And it was kind of a weird situation for me to get out of all the time. And so, yeah, I had, you know, a, a very interesting multifaceted experience as being the other uh, for a year in my life. And I was so lucky to have lived next to an African family during that year. They were like my, my uh, next door neighbors. And we became friends and we still talk to today. And uh, it's a family of six, four kids and their parents. And in fact, being friends with that family uh, taught me a lot about the African culture. Um, because we, you know, we became friends with, with a lot of open conversations about differences and similarities, uh, the way uh, things are done or not done in the African culture. And that really brought a lot of richness uh, in that experience. And I'm really lucky to have had that. Now, the fourth part of um, this podcast is on uh, sexual orientation. And this is definitely a taboo subject in my society. Uh, unfortunately, gay people here are prosecuted and persecuted still, um, not necessarily by people, but by the government and by religious sects and religious uh, authorities. And this makes me really sad because I know that all the LGBTQ plus community wants <laughs> in this world is to have a peaceful existence. And they are the most peaceful community and they crave only to live in peace. They don't really want anything from anybody. <laughs> Just leave us alone and let us live our lives in peace. And so all this persecution is ridiculous, in my opinion. You know, my first gay friend was also in college. It was around 1997. And so it was really a much more difficult time. And unfortunately, my friend had to travel and live abroad to have a semblance of a normal life. Of course, today, um, things have changed somewhat. And... People have become more accepting of differences, um, but it's like a choice you have to make. Do you want to live in peace, in total peace, travel and live abroad? If you want to fight for your rights, stay here and do that. Of course, there are many instances when a person is viewed as the other. In the end, the other is simply what is not us. But if the other is simply the one who is not like me, Shouldn't we all practice acceptance of the other? Shouldn't we all lessen our judgment towards the other? Do you know who sympathizes with the other the most? Anyone who makes the effort to know the other on a personal level. Because then and only then we see the human being behind the label, behind the stigma, behind the otherness. And this human being has most of our same problems, human problems. I'll leave you with that thought. This brings me to the end of this episode. Next week's topic shall be on resilience. I hope you'll tune in then. For now, I wish you a lovely weekend, and I send you all my love. Till next Friday.